This podcast is brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. This is Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Innovative thoughts from baseball's best coaching minds from around the world. Brought to you by lineupmedia.fm. Now your host, former USA Baseball National Team coach, Peter Caliendo. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you're at, in the U.S. and around the world, welcome. I'm your host, Pete Caliendo, and yes, this is Dual Podcast. First of all, it's Copabe Playball and also Baseball Outside the Box. As you know, Copabe Playball covers North, Central, South America, and the Caribbean, um, and uh, it's uh, a lot of great baseball countries there, so we're happy to have them all join us on the podcast. So, And the other part of all this, I um, want to thank everybody around the world for helping us out. We're in over 100 countries. We encourage all the countries to keep, you know, sending out the information, the emails, the uh, social media, all that to get people on the show because we're really growing and, and it, it's all up to all of you, the listeners, because of you, we've been able to do this. Hey, special thanks to ESPN, Honolulu also. Uh, welcome, aloha, everybody in Honolulu, but actually everybody in Hawaii. Um, what a great state. And speaking of states, nope. We're going to talk about a country, and we're going to a fantastic baseball country. Um, we are heading to Kenya, which is in East Africa, on the beautiful coastline of the Indian Ocean. Um, I have been there personally. I was in, um, and we're going to talk about that. I was there on vacation, actually, and was in Malindi, I believe. And Malindi was in all, I got there, and everybody's speaking Italian. And I thought, wow, this is, I'm in Italy, because I speak Italian first language. Um, but what's more important is our guest. Um, what great things he and his people are doing in the game of baseball. And I know now ISG Baseball is very proud to be working along with Baseball for Good. We're going to be working with um, Baseball Federation of Kenya. And this is the president, the head guy himself, Titus Mutweri. Um, I want to welcome you, Titus, and tell me I messed up the last name. I practiced and I messed it up. Not at all. You did fantastic. You did well, Peter, and I'm glad to be here with you. Uh, uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. You know what? Glad you, to see you. You are so nice to me. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much. All right, listen, Titus, let, um, it's, it's been a pleasure. We've had a couple conference calls, you know, and emails going back and forth. It's been a pleasure. Uh, talking with you and uh, we look forward obviously in doing some great things in Kenya to help whatever we can in, in the game of baseball just help it grow exactly what you're trying to do there but before we start I want the, our audience to know about you um, you grew up in Kenya tell us uh, you know where you went to school what was that like when you were growing up Thank you very much, Peter, and uh, everyone. My name is Titus Mutweri, and I am a Kenyan, I'm born and bred in Kenya, in the central, in the, in the Mount Kenya region. For anyone who is familiar with the country, uh, close to the central part of the country, and Kenya is a country in the East Africa region, uh, and with a beautiful coastline uh, of the, the coast of uh, Indian Ocean, as Peter has mentioned. And uh, I grew up, uh, first time to experience the game of baseball was when I was in high school uh, at the age of um, 14 years, uh, thereabout. Uh, this was the very first time I saw a bat, I saw a, 
a baseball and, and a glove, and I experienced the best game in the world at that age uh, when I was an adolescent. And uh, I, I, from there, I got hooked up and I have never left that penchant. And uh, at this point uh, from high school, I played baseball as a, a shortstop and uh, I was not among the best of all, but uh, uh, probably due to uh, leadership uh, skills and all that, uh, I, I later went to college and after college, I found baseball being played in the city of Nairobi. And uh, that was the first time that uh, I got into uh, Mata's leadership in baseball for the first time. Awesome. Listen, Titus, we're going to get into all that. What I want to do really is let, let the people know about you first, more than anything. Um, Thank you. Know, you. Yeah. Tell us about, okay, you, you grew up in Kenya. Um, what, when you were a young kid in Kenya, what sports were you playing? And sometimes were you out there on your own with your friends playing different sports? What was that like? Yeah, when I, when I was young, I had the very uh, uh, foundational stages of uh, getting to touch uh, anything ball was uh, soccer. But the soccer that we used to do was ideally not the, the soccer ball that we used to. We would get wrap papers together and tie them with the strings and compact them. And we would form a, a compact uh, object. Uh, and we called that uh, football and we would uh, play uh, and mostly because we didn't have uh, much of attires or jerseys would make a long line and then the, the coach would come and say go up go down go up go down while we are forming a line and and those who are on the upper side you are told or oh, remove your tops uh, the others who are on the lower side would remain with their tops and that would create the difference of identifying who belongs to which team, because one team is topless and the other team is dressed on the top. Uh, so it could, be, it could make it quite easy uh, to identify your teammates. And that was interesting growing up in, um, uh, in primary school, uh, as we call it around, and uh, getting to, uh, get to play uh, soccer in that kind of an environment. Uh, later on, of course, uh, we catch up with a real soccer ball and uh, we, we kept on playing, but um, uh, as I grew up, uh, I, I, I definitely realized that uh, when I uh, when I came in touch with baseball, that this is a sport that I would love, and this is a sport that I would really be interested to knowing and understanding the skills and uh, and, and, and and the rules and all that. Titus, tell uh, tell the folks. Um, and you're going to see me outside the screen just for a second. I've never done this on the show before. So keep going till I get right back. Um, tell the folks the things you liked in school. When you were young, tell them about what you liked in school, what you did not like, um, and then how did you get to college? Well, uh, I, when I was uh, growing up, I was a fan of uh, anything uh, science, and uh, science was my favorite subject. And I'll tell you later how I became a scientist. Uh, and I, I got into uh, doing pure science in high school. I went to one of the uh, best uh, high schools in Kenya, and uh, I, I took what we call pure science. And after that, I, I uh, developed this liking of dealing with the patients and uh, doing medical science. 
went to college and did a, a, a course in a, a medical science as a laboratorian. And uh, uh, definitely I kept on growing in that line uh, to become a, a medical scientist at the moment uh, and uh, a lecturer in one of the private universities in Kenya. Uh, I lecture at the Kenya Methodist University uh, School of Medicine and Health Sciences. Uh, definitely uh, to, to get to that point, then you have to do uh, all these courses and, uh, from either your diploma, your bachelor's, uh, your master's, uh, and currently uh, finalizing on my doctorate in medical microbiology. So your goal was to get in the medical industry and that's what you're in also now? Uh, pardon, uh, my goal was to get into uh, medical sciences and uh, ideally I say that uh, I feel quite fulfilled that uh, I stuck to that line and I'm, I, I'm doing what uh, I, I like doing uh, when I'm not playing baseball and uh, that is uh, training as a university students uh, in medical sciences, uh, uh, cutting across all sorts of students in, who are doing medical uh, science programs, uh, but also uh, involving myself in research uh, because uh, I love research because it doesn't have the monotony of studying in class and uh, marking scripts. Uh, so I, I, I love doing research, especially on uh, tropical medicine. Uh, uh, again, when I find myself not in baseball, I, I do research and currently I'm, I'm doing research on some uh, tropical diseases we call cystic echinococcosis, uh, which is uh, a, a disease caused by the dog tapeworm, uh, which has inflicted a number of people uh, uh, in Kenya, uh, whereby it grows in uh, both animals and humans and causing quite a lot of uh, economic losses uh, to farmers because of condemnations of um, animal, uh, anim animal organs uh, during slaughter, but also infects uh, human beings. And uh, uh, once a human being is infected to a, to a certain stage, then ideally the only remedy is surgery. Uh, it's a common disease across the world, uh, in Europe, in South of Americas, and uh, also in Africa. You know, the, the other thing I wanted to ask you, you great things, obviously, teaching, you know, young people some great stuff um, when it comes to the medical industry. You know, you, you fell in love with the game of baseball, right? So you continue to play it. One, you still play it now. Uh, but two, how did you become, you know, all of a sudden the president of, you know, Baseball Federation of Kenya, which is a big position because it's the head person you know, for the governing body of the sport? How did that all come about? I would attribute this not uh, to my sportsmanship prowess. I would attribute this purely uh, to my passion for the sport and the support that I have given the country uh, to help them grow baseball. Uh, because when I came to the capital city of uh, Nairobi, I, I seated in a restaurant because by that time, baseball was not, uh, ideally, it's still not a household name in every household in Kenya. Uh, but uh, I sat next in a restaurant next to two guys and I had them discuss baseball in the capital city. 
and uh, I, I forgive my manners, but uh, I eavesdropped and I asked them, okay, we have baseball in Nairobi? And they told me, yes, and they invited me uh, on a Saturday for the next baseball activity. And uh, when I went to that baseball activity, I never came back. Uh, I got sold out. And uh, uh, from there, uh, ideally, those two guys who are seated in that restaurant are now members of my board. Wow, great story, love it. Um, and, and, and now tell the audience, you know, approximately, give us an idea, number of players that are playing in, in the country. Nairobi is one particular area. I'm sure there's other areas where they're playing, kind of like the structure that's set up in Kenya uh, for the sport. So uh, Kenya initially, uh, years back, it was divided in what we call provinces. And provinces are what you can call regions. And baseball currently is played in around in a six out of the eight former regions of the country. Uh, or uh, after uh, the uh, promulgation of the new constitution, the country was subdivided into 47 counties. And baseball is currently played in around 20 out of the 47 uh, counties uh, in Kenya. And that tells you that it's not yet a, a household name, uh, but uh, more than a third of the counties have pockets of baseball where baseball is played every other week. Uh, and, and, and one of the greatest uh, uh, desire for my board is to extend and push this um, uh, sport to all the counties uh, in the country. And that would mean that uh, uh, ensuring that baseball is played in the 47 counties uh, in Kenya. It, it's a heavy, humongous task, uh, but it is a price that we are ready to pay uh, to see that every child in this country uh, gets an opportunity to play uh, uh, one of the best sports in the world. Uh, it will take blood and sweat but we are ready to sweat and to bleed. Well, I know one thing just by meeting and talking to you, work is um, something that you're used to doing, working hard and smart, because um, I can tell you, you're, you're very organized. Um, the, the kids in Kenya, okay, look, every country we know competes against soccer. Soccer is the, the largest sport in the world um, when it comes to participation. Now, when a Kenyan kid, boy or girl, sees baseball, softball, baseball for women, whatever the sport, when they see it, they like it right away. Is it easy to get them to play or can you play both? Because kind of both kind of help them. Because if you play soccer, you know, you get the footwork, you know, uh, there's nothing wrong with playing both sports. What's it like in Kenya? Uh, thank you, Peter. And um, uh, in Kenya, ideally, uh, soccer is one of, is, is the commonest uh, sport. And uh, you realize that uh, even the kids who come to play baseball uh, have had an experience uh, in soccer. Like today, I've just come from an eight hours practice session uh, with some kids in the field. And uh, all of them are um, uh, former soccer players, both boys and girls, they were playing soccer. And I went and introduced to the sport in their schools and uh, they, they told me that they would like to try. So the first time they will uh, be playing soccer maybe on a Wednesday and then come to baseball on a Saturday. 
but when uh, as time goes you realize they have abandoned uh, soccer and now they want to keep on playing baseball wow. uh, uh, there is a challenge because uh, what happens for a kid to get into the soccer field all what they need is themselves and maybe the uh, the, the, the shoes and right. that's all and gets to play uh, the game uh, but for baseball when they come we tell them okay we need this we need you to have cleats uh, yes we need you to have a glove uh, we, we use uh, a, a number of balls and we have this wooden or metallic thing that you're swinging the bat and um, they, they find it uh, uh, quite challenging that they need all this to participate and uh, I've had experiences where my kids come to the field and they see all the others have gloves. And now that they don't have a glove, they feel that they are out of place and they are not able to, uh, to get involved. Uh, at times we definitely tell them, okay, you, you've played a bit now, can you lend your, uh, uh, your friend the glove for some time so that they can also have a feel of it. Uh, of course, because these resources are not uh, are available locally. Uh, I don't think there is any uh, country in Africa that produces uh, gloves. And so we depend entirely on um, either uh, imports or donations from friends, either from uh, Europe or from the Americas and, and, and Japan. And uh, uh, this, uh, of course, tells you that uh, not every kid gets an opportunity. A number of them are willing, uh, but not all of them get an opportunity to play because of the scarcity of the equipment. Uh, so um, to, to, to respond also to your previous question, uh, we have thousands of children in Kenya who are playing baseball uh, because uh, each region has got quite a number. Uh, two weeks ago, we just came from the coastal city of Mombasa uh, for a coastal regional championship. And uh, we had hundreds of children who are gathered there, all of them are playing baseball. And that's just one region. So uh, that tells you that if we would go to all the other six uh, regions, definitely there would be a lot, a lot of uh, baseball sport going on. So thousands of kids in Kenya play baseball, but not all of them have got equipment that they need, the equipment that they need to play the sport. So that's a very, very heavy limiting factor. And because of that, you will find even some maybe who love soccer, who love baseball, uh, remain in soccer because they don't have the tools of trade. Sure. Right now you have more players than you have equipment. Um, so equipment is a struggle. And I get that. We're on the show notes, folks. Uh, we're going to put Titus information uh, in case you want to donate equipment. Um, we can figure it out. There's many companies that ship equipment, um, that collect equipment. We're, we're combining with some pretty soon here. Um, and then we're going to be helping hopefully as much as we can on getting you equipment. Uh, and I know there's a lot of countries that need equipment, um, but there are a lot of good organizations working there to get equipment out there. You know, Titus, equipment is one thing that you got to have that, obviously. And I understand that. Um, you know, what's interesting is fields are important, too. But sometimes I wonder, you know, it's it's a goal to have good, good fields. Right. But at the same time some of the best athletes in many sports come from Africa um, because of sometimes where they train, right? They train in uncomfortable situations. 
not not all the perfect equipment. They have to work harder. I mean, look at your long distance runners, your sprinters. I mean, there's a lot of different people that are, that are competing. Um, your marathon runners. So fields are important, but at the same time, kids can develop kind of faster in some ways when the fields aren't always the best. Talk about the situation in Kenya. Uh, thank you for bringing that up because uh, it's interesting. Uh, the field where I was playing today was it's, it's a large field, but uh, it was it's a field where uh, soccer uh, was being played throughout the day, and uh, soccer is just some few meters away. Then we have baseball on the other side of the field, and we have uh, also some cows grazing on grass uh, on the other side. Uh, so it's uh, quite interesting, but I. I uh, I understand that uh, fields in Kenya has been a bony issue. Uh, number one, because uh, what Kenya understands mostly is that uh, any field that is for sport should have a soccer pitch. And uh, maybe on the side, a volleyball pitch or a basketball pitch. And, and that is what is available in as many schools and uh, high schools and a number of private schools in the country. Uh, so uh, baseball fields are not uh, many. Uh, ideally, we have uh, one or two uh, baseball fields, good designed baseball fields. And when I say well designed, it's just the, the, the leveling and all that and the grading, uh, not that we have terraces or all that that we expect uh, to have in, in a normal baseball park. We don't have a baseball park. Uh, so the, the first field that was done in Kenya was done in uh, 2015, thereabout, 2014-2015 at the Meru University of Science and Technology. And uh, this was the first baseball field. Uh, then later on in 2019, uh, when Kenya hosted the pre-Olympic qualifier, uh, because um, I mentioned this, that when I became president, uh, in 2018, uh, I visited, I got a chance uh, out of my, my science trips, I got a chance to visit uh, Switzerland and um, I went to the WBSC headquarters and, and, and we uh, talked to the leadership there and later on we began to host the uh, pre-Olympics qualifiers for uh, the uh, uh, what we call uh, uh, Zone 5 uh, for East Africa region. And we hosted that in 2019. So we were able to make another field, uh, a temporary field where we actually converted a rugby pitch to a, uh, in one of the high schools uh, to a baseball field so that the countries, neighboring countries can come and participate in the pre-Olympic qualifiers. So that was the second uh, baseball field. It's now we are uh, open to have the third uh, baseball field at the Jomo Kenyatta University of Agriculture and Technology, uh, where we have some expatriates who are uh, working in Kenya from America and, and North, uh, North America, uh, I mean, in, in Canada, uh, whereby they are trying to uh, mobilize for funds to see if we can have uh, a field, a baseball field, uh, a well, an international and dimensions kind of field at the Jomo Kenyatta University of Agriculture and Technology. They are still raising funds, uh, and uh, we hope that we can have that uh, somewhere in the next few months, uh, because we really expect to have some um, international events uh, later in the year and moving forward. 
uh, and we need to have uh, uh, some fields uh, to where we can do that. And the fourth field that will come up is uh, at the National Youth Service. Uh, we have the National Youth Service in Kenya and um, uh, the National Youth Service plays baseball and softball. And we, we have one field uh, in a place called um, uh, Naivasha uh, or Gilgil rather. And uh, we, we are also following up to see that the management of the National Youth Service help in um, engraving another field in that place. Uh, so the, the development of fields is one of the core legacies that I would like uh, to leave because without good fields, definitely uh, the, the kids will not uh, have the experience of, of what uh, it is like to play baseball in a good, good setting. But I agree with you, hardships are good, but definitely it's important that we give them a taste of the real uh, game uh, if we can. Absolutely. And I agree with you. You could always train on some other field once in a while and then jump back on the real good field, you know, and kind of do a combination. I think that's great. And kids, you know, they need a goal, you know, whether it's the national team, whether it's better fields, more equipment, better equipment. Uh, speaking about equipment, I'm going to jump back to the to the fields in a second, because uh, a very good friend of mine, a great coach, Jeffrey Seiler, um, been all over the world with me. Um, he just, you know, he was asking and we're going to have this on the show notes. Um, because there's a lot of people that have equipment, right? And they want to donate it. Um, and we're going to have some of it shipped to some of our partners so they can help. But there's a struggle individually. If they want to ship equipment, that's a problem, right? With customs. Um, talk about that situation and how. what's the best way to handle the equipment to be shipped there. Uh, thank you, Peter. The, the best way to handle equipment is fast. Uh, I suppose to know what is available. Uh, because uh, customs uh, in Kenya will definitely gives us trouble uh, when we uh, ship in uh, stuff. They may sometimes stop us at the airport and all that kind of um, uh, issues. Uh, but if we would know what is available, then we can approach the Ministry of Finance and tell them that uh, we have this sport. Equipment are not locally available. We would like to uh, be pardoned uh, from customs. Uh, because these friends from this and this place uh, would like to ship in equipment to help Kenyans uh, enjoy the uh, sport of baseball. Uh, and I think uh, where, where, uh, they would ask, of course, what is it that you want to ship in? So having a clear list of what's available, uh, where it's coming from uh, before they get to the port is important because after they get to the port, definitely they would uh, maybe tell you no. Uh, but if we make prayer requests, then I suppose that uh, it would be easier then to 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 bring them in. Yeah, and folks, just so you know, um, that's not just in Kenya; it's all over the world. That we, you know, we ship the equipment to the Dominican Republic. Um, you name it. You know, Customs wants to know because they're worried about if you're going to resell it. If it's a business, um, and then the other part of it is, yeah, they might let you have it. Now you got to pay a lot of taxes on it, and you know, again, funding's a, you know not an easy thing. So. We can help coordinate that, and I'll, I'll talk to some of the people that I know. We'll work with that on coordinating it directly with the Federation, so that way it's all organized, running through the government. And speaking about the government, uh, Titus, you mentioned you know the fields and all that. Government funding, like when you run an event, when you run a WBSC you know event, the government now can step in and help, and that kind of helps build fields or make fields better. So you got government assistance? Well, uh, 
quite often where the government comes in is when the team gets to the national level but for the national level team and if they are they are participating in a sanctioned event then the government comes in to support uh, but ideally they will support in either if it's uh, air tickets and uh, accommodation and all that to take care of the players and the officials uh, to travel and, and get to participate in that event. Uh, for, for infrastructural uh, purposes, uh, we, we would depend on the already available infrastructure because even the fields that we are converting from either um, a, a soccer pitch, and, 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 and it's, uh, when I say this, you know that we, we don't support soccer, but I mean that uh, every other field maybe is assumed to be a soccer field, so uh, in Kenya, so we convert some of them to a baseball field. Uh, some of them are, are still government uh, installations. They are government fields uh, by the virtue of being in private, uh, in public uh, institutions, high schools or public universities. Uh, so to, to that extent, the government still has ownership, uh, but then the management of those institutions are the ones that uh, allow uh, that kind of uh, conversion and definitely we are, we are able then to enjoy uh, the availability of that kind of field. Uh, but uh, to, to, for the government to participate in the conversion, uh, we've not seen much of that. Uh, uh, sometimes they, uh, they depend much more because uh, as I said, baseball is still growing in it's, it's in the growth process. Uh, so it may not be the top notch spot uh, in the eyes of the government, uh, but uh, we are getting there uh, uh, every other day. Uh, so uh, probably the government may not immediately invest. We hope it should, but um, uh, but but uh, what I know is that if we put on a request uh, that we have a field, uh, maybe it, it's every person's interest to know what you have. Maybe WBSC uh, would ask, "What do you have?" We can pull together resources and see that uh, it is complete. Uh, so um, I would not say that the government cannot support, but they can, but we need to, to probably bring uh, in every uh, bit of help from all sectors uh, to make it possible. Titus, one of the areas you talked about, and it sounds like you guys are doing a good job with this. Uh, you mentioned going to schools to introduce the sport, because one of the areas is you have to grow the sport. Now, obviously that's getting players, young kids to play it. Is that a coordinated effort throughout the country? Do you guys organize where you, you have kind of a program that introduces the sport in the schools? Uh, in our country, we are free to uh, visit the schools and introduce uh, baseball. And uh, one of the things that we've used, uh, Peter, I hope you know Baseball 5, uh, which is the urban type of baseball that um, uh, recently was introduced. Um, and um, the, the beauty of Baseball 5 is uh, that it is uh, cheap to uh, institute uh, because it does not require gloves and bats and uh, you know all this. Uh, so we, we get to the schools and uh, we, we've introduced Baseball 5 in some a number of schools. But also we approached the Ministry of Education to ask that they allow us to, uh, they, they streamline Baseball 5 and make it part of the physical education and sports policy within the ministry. 
And the reason why we wanted this is so that for every other teacher who is a sports teacher in uh, either elementary or middle level schools, uh, when they participate in baseball five uh, or in any other baseball activity, they will uh, participate with the knowledge that uh, it is part of the extracurriculum activity uh, in, in schools. Uh, but uh, up to now, it has not been entrenched. We've made our request, uh, but that does not stop us from introducing uh, the sport in, in any school uh, or what it may mean for now. It may mean that the teachers, sports teachers may not have uh, complete support uh, because it's not part of the policy uh, in the Ministry of Education, but it does not bar us from uh, introducing the sport and uh, helping kids to play. But uh, we hope for a day that it will be introduced in the sports policy and the physical education program of all schools, because when that happens, then it will become a requirement for every school uh, to support the teachers and to, uh, to, to participate in competitions. And each school will definitely be uh, pushing to participate uh, in either uh, zonal or regional or national competitions of baseball five and hopefully also later uh, baseball because we, we use the root of baseball five because it is cheaper. Uh, but then once the kids learn baseball five, then uh, with uh, some bit of investment in equipment, then they can also uh, get to baseball nine uh, or rather the, the, the convention of baseball. Yeah, you know, what's great is one that they allow you to go into the schools um, and folks, so you know, baseball five, I hope <laughs> I know baseball five because if I don't, WBSC will, will let me go. Um, I've been with them for 20 some years and, um, you know, Titus asked me if I knew baseball five. I, I, I hope so, or I'm in trouble. Um, baseball five was introduced. First of all, it came just give you a little history. It came from the Cuban Baseball Federation. Um, great idea. The Cubans are always in the forefront of development. It's amazing some of the things they do. And the WBSC has done great things with Baseball 5. And I, this is my opinion. Baseball 5 um, is going to be in the Olympics one day. You watch. Um, and, and folks, so you know what it is. Basically, it, the name kind of explains it. it's five on five, but you don't use bats. And Titus mentioned, you know, economically, this is perfect. You just need a, a rubber ball and, you know, they bounce it and they hit it with their hand. And there's certain rules, but it's only an infield. And it's so much fun. And everybody touches the ball. And there's progress because like Titus said, from there, they can go play, you know, baseball now, baseball nine. You could actually transfer, I'll give you, I think my opinion, you can actually transfer from baseball five to also a keep it baseball five with a bat because you use a softer ball that doesn't travel as far. And then you transfer maybe even to um, uh, baseball nine from there because that progresses to let kids understand the game a lot easier. So fantastic it's and it's exploding in africa i think it's great it's going to explode all over the world and then in the schools the kids are going to love it because it's competitive and it's fun i think i think you guys are doing a great and thing go ahead well, well you on that peter yeah well you on that about baseball five uh, uh, we in kenya because uh, we i, I had an interview with wbsc in the media the other day and they wanted to know how as kenya um, made it to um, entrench baseball five uh, in a system whereby the federations for baseball and softball are different because in Kenya we have the baseball federation and the softball federation and for me I am in the baseball federation 
So SoftBall Federation is a separate entity. But then now Baseball 5 involves both baseball and softball, uh, what, uh, uh, spirit, uh, so to say. Uh, mm -hmm. So what we did, and we can check this from WBSC uh, media or website, and uh, we, we teamed up with the president of the Softball Federation, and uh, we agreed, we came up with a modality of how uh, we can uh, play Baseball 5 together. And now Softball Federation, uh, Softball Kenya, uh, picked the uh, baseball five for adults uh, because it's more uh, uh, stronger in the university league and uh, baseball is quite strong in the communities. So we picked the youth uh, baseball five. So we grow and develop uh, as Baseball Federation of Kenya, we grow and develop a baseball five among the youth. And then the Softball Federation uh, develops baseball five among adults. And, and uh, with that, we definitely allow uh, every other talent from either federations to participate in the national team. And uh, later this month, uh, Kenya is taking the Baseball 5 uh, national team to uh, Dar es Salaam in Tanzania to participate in the first uh, ever uh, 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 African uh, championship for Baseball 5, adult Baseball 5. And uh, we have players uh, from uh, softball and we have players from baseball. We found a way of doing it uh, so that we can work together smoothly. Great stuff, man. That is awesome. Now, you know, earlier you mentioned uh, we were talking about coaches. You know, coach developing coaches at the foundation of a sport is very important. Um, if you don't have good coaches, you're, you're going to lose kids, period. That's as simple as anything anywhere in the world, doesn't matter where. Now, you lead by example because you just told me earlier you came from an eight-hour practice. Now, you're the president of the Baseball Kenya, uh, excuse me, Baseball Federation of Kenya, yet you're coaching also. Who are the rest of your coaches? Uh, brilliant, Peter. Uh, one of the things that um, I realized uh, while leading the federation, one of the things we require, as you say, is coaches who are qualified and well-skilled to transfer the skills to players. And um, I, 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 we, we have been having coaches clinics in Kenya, sometimes um, facilitated by WBSC. But of course, you know, uh, for WBSC, there, there are costs and all that, and everyone definitely uh, would incur the same. Uh, so they, they have come to Kenya. Uh, last time was before COVID. Uh, and uh, you can tell that that's a while ago. And uh, for coaches, they require uh, continuous uh, professional development uh, so that they can keep on, uh, and uh, uh, they can keep up to speed and also transfer the same skills to players. So uh, we, we realize there is great need for continuous coaching uh, of the, or training of the coaches. And this is an area that we are deficient. Ideally, as a sports manager, I should not be maybe daily in the field uh, because I could probably be doing an administrative work, uh, but uh, we don't have enough capacity. Uh, so I, I need to get there. And then sometimes uh, uh, some evenings, some packing some of the stuff that the kids will use the following day. Uh, and uh, <coughs> I put them in the car so that uh, I can drop them to the field uh, early morning. 
and 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 today uh, I and how many players um, uh, around forty something players uh, in, uh, in in an academy because uh, uh, I also realized to be science the need for uh, training of coaches we also need to have systems whereby kids can get trained uh, continuously and in an structured and in an organized manner. So we uh, organize the coaches, but also we need to organize academies where coaches can now get a chance uh, to impact the, their skills. Uh, now that the, the schools uh, are done, or not all schools play baseball. So we bring a number of schools together within a community and then we have a coach a number of coaches there who then uh, keep on uh, training the kids so uh, I, I i said why don't i lead my example and i started what we call the maasai land uh, baseball academy uh, we can find it on twitter uh, maasai land with m double a and one s uh, and uh, maasai land baseball academy uh, trains uh, kids between the ages of uh, 14 to 21 uh, uh, to play baseball. And now we are growing. We, we will uh, be around uh, 100 players uh, in the next few weeks. And we want to plateau there for some time so that uh, we don't overwhelm ourselves. Uh, and, and we hope, or I hope that uh, every other region can have also as many uh, academies as possible. And then we can have uh, coaches uh, coming with the, in those academies and then give their time. But also these coaches need to be continually developed. That is why we are looking outside there, uh, whether in, in the States or uh, in Europe, and then also with the WBSC to see that there is continuous training of uh, coaches. It is expensive uh, for everyone, but uh, we, we definitely depend on also some goodwill and support uh, from the bigger brothers and I think um, uh, with time we shall get there because we need them certified because we don't have certified coaches in Kenya. Uh, sometimes uh, we need, of course, if a coach just learns a skill by themselves, there is a risk of uh, transferring a wrong skill to the players and the ripple effect you realize uh, so many players are doing the same thing in the wrong way. Uh, so we need that kind of a system that can align all the coaches through a module and a program that uh, uh, definitely is progressive. Uh, but not only coaches, but also umpires and scorers. We don't have a strong umpiring uh, organization uh, that trains umpires in Kenya. We have some that have been trained, uh, very few. I, I think uh, they, they can't be more than 10 in the whole country. Uh, and uh, they are not also at the same level. So they also need continuous training uh, to umpire and also the scholars. We have some pretty good scholars, but I don't think they can also be more than uh, six, seven. So you realize there is too much work when we have regional activities, they have either to travel and we have to depend on the same people uh, throughout. Uh, uh, but then the, the challenge is that they may know what they are doing uh, whether they are able to train others to get to that level is the challenge uh, because definitely, uh, as you know, uh, I think recently WMBSC has a new scoring, you know, uh, system uh, and, and all that needs to be updated uh, across the country so that we develop in the right way.
Yeah, what's great is WBSC is working on, I know, on online training for umpire scores, technical <laughs> uh, different areas. Now, as you know, uh, ISG and Baseball for Good, we had a talk about this over an hour uh, conversation with our good friend, Kuno Karen, uh, the president of WBSC Europe. Um, and, you know, ISG and Baseball for Good, we're going to work on a program in December to come out and work with coaches for a whole week. Um, but I know you, you definitely have to get to the certification level. Um, and that's something that a governing body like the WBSC obviously um, can work on because that's more advanced or more consistent, let's say. Um, and we're going to see how much we can do to help and definitely having that program there. I want to jump to the coaches again, stay with it because who are some of the coaches? Are they parents? Are they former players? Um, who's coaching the kids right now? Uh, thank you for that, Peter. And uh, the, the coaches are actually former players, mostly. Uh, there is a time MLB was doing um, scouting, uh, but they, are, they, are, they have stopped. They are not doing it now. And we, we had a chance to send some few coaches, um, three coaches or so, to uh, the elite camp in South Africa. And uh, some of them definitely have come back with some knowledge, but that, that was years ago. Uh, however, in between, we've had uh, players who have transitioned uh, from playing uh, to becoming uh, coaches. Uh, so they coach mostly with the knowledge of how they were playing. Uh, and and uh, as much as that is okay, also there is the risk. Uh, <laughs> so uh, you on you the coach as, as good as you can play or the skills that you know. So they are, they are former players, uh, mostly. They are not parents, uh, they, are, they are former players. Unless someone like me who has a daughter who is 10, uh, maybe I can get a chance to show her some few skills, although I'm not a certified coach. Yeah, no, and I like that. Uh, I see more and more countries doing two things. They're going to former players to work with young kids. Obviously, some of the countries are trying to figure out how can we pay these coaches so that way they stay in longer. You know, and that's a goal in the future, hopefully. I know that's not easy. Um, and there's nothing wrong with parents. It's just that you know, if you've played the game a little bit, you have a step ahead. Now you just have to educate them on the new types of, you know, fundamentals, the skills, the drills, the games, the, the fun part about practice. I mean, there's a lot of things, obviously, the coaching. Uh, just because you play doesn't mean you're going to be a good coach. But, it, but it's not a bad start. And, and you know, and the other part is you're starting to see more women jump into coaching baseball, too, because, you know, they're a little bit more sympathetic with the young kids, right? Uh, uh, men sometimes we get a little tough with kids. So I think that, but so I think you're heading in the good direction. Like you said, the consistent training is very important. Um, and, and here's the next part. You said MLB scouting. I know scouts have been going for many years looking at players. Tell us about why kids in Kenya make great baseball players. What's their, what's their uh, physical skills, mental skills, whatever it may be that makes them because, you know, it's a game of, and you know well because you played it, it's a game that you fail a lot of times and you have to know how to deal with that. Other sports don't have that failure, um, high level of failure with the young kids. So what, what's so special about Kenyan kids? Uh, the, the, the most uh, thing that comes top of my end is the resilience of the Kenyan child. 
number one, mostly because um, not in a bad way, but because also there are some hardships uh, that are within the system mm. of, of their growth. Uh, I, I will say that sometimes there are some children who come to play because they really want to play and it's something that they want to do uh, in their life. There are some other kids who come to play because there is too much pressure and they find a safe space mm. in the field. Uh, and sometimes as a coach or an administrator or a sports leader, we need to realize that very early because we need to help this child uh, achieve their goals. And if they have come looking for a safe space, we must ensure that in playing baseball, we create that environment that is safe. But still, we, we, we work with parents so that parents can understand that their children are safe where they are and they need to support them. The challenge is many parents don't know baseball at all. They mm. never heard of it when they were growing. So they are hearing about it from their children. So it's their children who are telling them about this American pastime. And they get to learn it together with their children. But their children learn it more because they are playing. The parents probably have not been to the field, so they just listen to stories. What is important for us is that resilience of the Kenyan child, we need to keep it moving. Whether they have come because they are looking for a safe space, or if they have come because they feel that they are passionate about baseball, we need to accommodate all of them and see how we can support them to achieve their goals. Now, this burden is left to us either as coaches or as, as sports leaders, because sometimes we don't have every resource that we need to support that child. If we do not support that child, that child will, we will lose them on the way. And that is what pains me most, that there is a child who is looking for a safe space, a better life, or a comfort place, and they find it in playing the sport of baseball, for instance, and they are not able because of few challenges, either lack of equipment and all that. But also the coaches, like the coaches that I have in the academy, uh, of course, I have to cater for their transport because they are volunteering. They, they don't charge to come, but then definitely I have to recoup their transport costs and all that. Yes. And now here I have 40 kids who are in the sport. It's an academy that I launched. So sometimes I need also, they, they have been there for eight hours today. At some time they will need to get a fruit and eat, eat some meal. And this cost definitely again comes over to the person who has the vision of that child. So it's not so easy, but um, we do what we can. Uh, but ideally with support, we can do better, uh, but we must keep doing it. But I think, you know, out of, out of everything we talked about, Titus, this is the most important part of the program. Um, you laid it out beautifully because the game, any game, but baseball especially can change lives 
Um, and that's why I think it's important that, you know, sometimes we talk about baseball and baseball, 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 and we forget what really baseball is doing for young kids. And you're doing some great things. That's why I think it's important to support uh, baseball and to support you in, in any way we can, because that will change lives for kids. Uh, and if they continue to play the game, that's great. But more importantly, what it does for them right now, because they, like you said, they have that safe zone and all that. Um, so I think, uh, you know, I commend you for what you guys are doing. Um, and like I said, we are here to support you. Uh, you know, the other part of this, I wanted to, um, and we're getting close to the end here. Um, at the end, I'm going to ask you maybe some, uh, some future goals you have, you know, that in the future, what you'd like to see in the future. Um, but before we do that, um, the other part of this is when you're currently right now, the kids that are playing, when do they, do they, do they play like, uh, give our audience an idea, how many games a year they play? Because you have weather, they're good all year. Um, how many practices a week do they have? You know, when, because it's a, it's a struggle. Like you said, you got to get them there, but then also, you know, you got to feed them. And there's a lot of things that are involved in this. It's not that easy to say, oh, just come every day and we practice every day. And that's after school, I'm assuming. Add that too. Uh, thank you, Peter. And um, to mention about uh, the, the, the year calendar, how it looks in Kenya, uh, we have uh, three terms of what we can refer to as semesters. Uh, without the issue of COVID disruption, this would run from January to March, uh, May to August, and uh, October to December. So that tells you that there is uh, an holiday in April an holiday in August and an holiday in December. Mm. Uh, that is when we have most of the uh, competitions, uh, but still we have other, uh, I, I mean, competitions during the holidays, that, that is. Uh, but um, the, the reason why we don't have uh, too much in the schools, as I explained, uh, during the schools uh, seasons is because of equipment. Uh, but uh, still the kids who are in school, they come play over the weekends uh, because we pull the equipment together so that the kids can share. We don't have enough for every school. Uh, so we have activities of baseball mostly in the second half of the year, like where we are going now from July to December, where we will have, Uganda will be coming to Kenya in, in early June uh for uh for what we call mount elgon uh, championship and uh, here we we hope to feature all the categories of um, uh, the game that is the under 12 under 15 under 18 under 23 and seniors uh and also we will try and bring in uh, uh, uh women baseball uh, which we've started developing in um, uh, some few countries in africa and, and kenya is also uh, in the front line uh, actually, just some few, uh, uh, when we went to the coastal tournament uh, two weeks ago, we had women, girls under 17 playing fantastic baseball. You can't believe it. As sport they have learned over very few uh, years and they are uh, doing very well in it. Uh, and it's impressive and we must keep on uh, that spirit going. Uh, then uh, thereafter, uh, in the remaining part of the year, we will have a national league. Uh, which will run somewhere from uh, July thereabout all the way. Uh, and, and later in the year, 
after the National League, we will have what we call the National Jack Robinson uh, Championship, uh, which uh, takes uh, uh, which is done by the uh, adults uh, or rather the, the senior baseball players. Uh, and close to the end of the year, uh, hopefully in December thereabouts, uh, we should have an East African uh, region championship whereby we hope we bring in other countries like Tanzania, um, Uganda, and now we have the East African community. They want us to loop in all the other countries. Uh, some of them are just uh, a very basic uh, baseball game, uh, but then uh, we need to keep on influencing. Like now Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania are playing baseball. So we need to ensure that this effect is felt and down to Burundi and Rwanda and Congo and also in Ethiopia and South Sudan. And South Sudan has also been doing some bit of baseball, but we need now to make it to make the whole region a, a, a complex, united, and then uh, we are able to um, have competitions at that level, and that will help the growth of the sport in Africa. Awesome! What great stuff you guys are doing! And finally, Titus, and then we'll let you go. You've been great. This has been outstanding. <coughs> great remarks on Facebook. That, that that's not even counting Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, your dream, finally, the ultimate dream, base, baseball there. What's your ultimate goal? What would you like to see somewhere in the future? Uh, well, uh, that's a, a heavy question, loaded question, Pira, but um, to start with now, I would like to see Kenya with many more baseball academies, well-structured baseball academies and with well-trained and certified coaches. But then these kids should be playing also in a safe environment. So I look forward to development of many more baseball fields uh, in the country. In all these regions, the eight regions, we need uh, quite a number of baseball fields so that we don't have to fight over with soccer people. Like today we were playing, part of the place where we are playing was in a soccer pitch and the uh, soccer guys came in at some point and told us, okay, you guys, you have to push to the other side so that we share. Uh, so, and then that's what we did. And uh, we ideally we had a good day though. So I would love to see minimal films uh, uh, developed and then uh, minimal academies because at the end of it all, my greatest joy is to see Kenyan kids uh, sign up for Major League Baseball. That would be my ultimate uh, joy and that would give me rest uh, when we get to that point of seeing that we have a way of seeing this kid grow in an exponential trajectory to the level of uh, playing and signing up for MLB. And that is why I, I, I have been hoping to see MLB come back to Africa and participate or rather help Africa grow uh, because it is not okay for baseball to remain an American pastime. It will be better if now the world has become a global village. Baseball must be a household name 
or should be a household name across the world. And for those who have all that it takes, so the strength and the muscle should support those who are in the countries that are uh, in need by either seeing that they have the necessary skills uh, or any other way that they can. And by doing this, then we will be having exchange programs, uh, kids from the States and Europe coming to Kenya, knowing that they are coming not only maybe to study, but also they are coming and they will have some sweet baseball game uh, 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 besides seeing the animals uh, in the national parks. Uh, they can play some baseball in the national park if they wish, and uh, this would be uh, great. So that is my greatest dream. But also as that happens, I would like to see women participate also in this uh, process uh, because uh, we have the girl child who needs to be uh, given an, an opportunity that the boy has been given uh, and, um, and not fighting for equality or whatever we call it, but they should be given an environment that they, they, they should, uh, for them to enjoy uh, the growth of the sport. And I am quite passionate about uh, women baseball and I'm really, really supporting the development of women baseball in Kenya, and I hope to see uh, girls play in, in uh, international uh, tournaments and competitions. So those items, I don't know whether they are four or so, um, academies, fields, participation of Kenyan players in MLB, and consistent development also of women in baseball. No, and I tell you what, <laughs> You hit it on the button. You know, you when you looked at your goals, you looked at realistic goals. You looked, you know, you didn't say, "Oh, I want to have uh, the World Baseball Classic team right now." You looked at goals that are going to develop the sport. So the academies are so important. I think Major League Baseball, uh, as you know, they support academies around the world. I think they'll continue to do that. Um, you know, when you're talking about academies, because it gives your better athletes a chance to develop together. Uh, Cuba was a great example. I'm going to go back to Cuba. Cuba started academies a long time ago. Um, that's one reason they've got so many players in the big leagues and they train them so well. Then it's consistent training. So I think you're with it. fields. That's a big project, right? I mean, you know, when you say goal, I mean, that's a big goal. That's going to take some work. So I think you're really heading in a good direction. I love the women baseball. I love the women coaching too. I think that's important. Um, and I think you guys are doing great stuff. And I look forward to coming there, being there with you uh, in December. We'll talk more about that. Um, and cannot thank you. You were been on the show pretty long here. Can't thank you for enough. I know eight hour practice, then you jump on the show and then you still gotta, I'm sure go home and you got a lot of things going on. So Titus, thank you. Uh, does your, does Titus, does the name Titus, what does that mean? Is that, is there, is there an, uh, something behind the name? Cause you know, it's like a superhero maybe. <laughs> well, we were given these names by our parents. I don't know what inspired them, uh, but uh, maybe the, the name Mutueri uh, from where I come from is the one that has a meaning because Titus is a Christian baptismal name, uh, yes. but Mutueri is, is like a shepherd, someone who goes to get fodder uh, for the uh, livestock, for domestic animals, and wow. uh, ensures that they are well fed and, and they are healthy. So that's the meaning. Of and, and, and that's what you're doing. You're feeding baseball to Kenyan 
right? To the kids, to your feeding baseball, to everybody in, in the country. Great stuff, Titus. Listen, um, we will talk more. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. This has been fantastic. Um, we're getting great responses here on social media. God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much, Peter, and hope to see you later in the year. All right, folks, Titus, one special thank you to Titus. This has been a great show. Special thank you to our producer with the Lineup Media Group, Brian Crock, and special thank you to everybody in the U.S. and around the world for all your support. Uh, again, we just ask, you know, the show is free, just ask that you share it with baseball people, whether it's parents, coaches, players, all levels, because it can help everybody at different levels. You know, shows like this help other countries because you hear another country what they're doing how they're developing the sport we can all learn from each other uh, and of course we also have baseball experts uh you know that, that are on the show in different areas talking about different parts of the game and, you know titus has done a great job he's coaching he's played now he's president of the federation baseball federation of kenya folks remember stay healthy be safe god bless you and we'll see you on the next show this has been Baseball Outside the Box with Peter Caliendo. Listen online at BaseballOutsideTheBox.com and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all major podcast outlets. Join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter. Get all of our podcasts now at LineUpMedia.fm. This podcast was a presentation of LineUpMedia.fm.